Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Now, we all know that the metaverse is opening up a host of possibilities for users around the globe that stretch far beyond just gaming. Having come a long way from the early days of so-called virtual weddings, where most only appear in video games like The Sims or Maple Story, it's just a matter of time before we see a wedding in the metaverse. And Singapore actually has hosted its first such wedding. It happened on September 17th, when the CEO of music-focused media company bandwagon clarence chan got hitched to his bride joanne tam joining us now to talk about taking virtual reality to the next level are george wong head of growth at sandbox singapore and loretta chen co-founder of smobler studios both responsible for that first ever metaverse wedding here in singapore hi guys thanks for joining us thanks for having us thanks for having me now here's the thing guys this is Singapore's first metaverse wedding, but not the first one in the world. I know that there was one in India. Am I right, George? That's right. Yeah, there has been uh, metaverse weddings before, but mostly in games. Uh, but I think when it comes to the new breed of metaverses, this is probably the one of the first in the world, but not the first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll dive into the details in just a moment. You have kindly agreed to take us through the metaverse in the sandbox. So we in the studio right now are able to see this and our listeners will get to see it as well very soon on our social media platforms, our TikTok, IG, YouTube and Facebook pages. Just look for Money FM 89.3 if you want to get a peek into a metaverse wedding. So George, take us through this metaverse. Yeah, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the sandbox, basically you can log in now uh, with your social media and you can immediately build and create your own avatar under the avatars tab. Of course, you can design it however you like. Uh, it's completely free to play. And you can also be your favorite NFTs for those that are compatible. You can actually connect your crypto wallet with your favorite NFT that is compatible and you can appear in the metaverse. And from there, you can go straight into the map where you can actually see the different games that we have. And for this particular alpha season, there are more than 90 experiences and 650 quests, which also allows you to earn sand tokens as well as other great goodies because we have events happening all the way until the end of the month for this particular season. So when you click on an experience and when you jump in immediately, you will actually see the game world and you can actually jump into a game world where you can run around, explore and interact with other people who are playing the game at mm. the same time. Okay, so and I see a couple of people there already. There's a guy in a green hoodie and a goatee. Who is this modeled after? <laughs> this is modeled after the Money FM colors as well as Sebastian, who's our CEO, because he has a bit of a goatee. Oh, very <laughs> nice of you to think stuff. of us as you were creating this particular avatar, George. Yes, yes, yes. And you can you can customize it however you like. Uh, and of course, you can actually get avatars of your favorite celebrities like Steve Aoki, Snoop Dogg as well, and be those characters in the metaverse as well. And if you jump into the space, you can see that this is an expansive space for those of you who can watch this and you can actually explore. In this case, we are running around the Atari map. 
Mm. The Atari map is pretty interesting because it actually recreates the classic games of old, and it's a lot. It allows you to kind of revisit some of those childhood experiences that you may have, and throughout maps you can actually do quests that actually earns you points, which then allows you to actually climb up a leaderboard system because we actually have a leaderboard. Which allows people to win a very lucrative prize of up to thirty thousand sand tokens.、Mm. So that's something that a lot of players are actually experiencing right now. And the thing about the sandbox metaverse is there are so many different kinds of game modes and experiences. You can actually experience、uh, kind of like. The、uh, different kind of narrative and storytelling. So, like in the case of the Walking Dead, if you tried the Walking Dead map, you would actually be able to kind of like run around the cities that you watch in the show, talk to the characters in the show as well in the comic book, and just it's a really different kind of experience.、Mm, I was hoping you'd take us through the wedding venue, but of course that belongs to the wedding couple, right? But this is great too, except that as a person just watching, it looks like I'm just looking at a Video game console, a, a video game interface. What will I actually、mm-hmm. feel, hear, and touch if I were to enter the metaverse properly? Or are we not there yet? Well, I think it depends on the map because this is a very huge map, so interaction can be a bit tricky because people are running around. This is a、uh, two by two map, which is a humongous map because a single plot of land is like ninety six by ninety six meters. So if you multiply that in terms of real world, it's a bit big. But if you go into other maps, which is probably has it's more populated with players right now, you can interact with them. You can actually do emotes. You can just hang out, dance.、Uh, of course, for the sake of this, I turn. Off the music, but actually, there's a really popping music in the background, and there are different like concert experiences as well,、uh, like and which you can actually kind of like just hang out with friends. So there's a lot of social interaction. There's also like adventure games, multiplayer's、uh, experiences as well. It really does depend on the creator's creativity on building on the sandbox, because as like the name suggests, it's the sandbox, and it's for you to experiment on how to do different kind of interactions and how. How、uh, the builders can create experiences to interact with players as well. Okay, so I will be able to physically maneuver my avatar. Will it follow、yes. what I do in real life? I mean, that's how it works, right? Um, to a certain degree, because this does use a game engine. So obviously,、uh, it's the it is limited by the kind of、um, like movements that we have programmed into it, and we're constantly upgrading that as well to kind of give it a bit more personality. But generally, it's it's not too dissimilar from other. Kind of like traditional Web two games that has this kind of experiences, and people are already kind of used to this kind of environment and interacting with it as well through chats and so forth. Yeah, so this is why I think we need to continue that conversation about what exactly is the metaverse. A lot of people are still trying to wrap their heads around it, and what we're seeing now are merely iterations, a variety of iterations, and not a full blown metaverse yet. How do you marry this physical? World with what a person can do in a metaverse virtual world in a way that is more special than what we've been used to seeing already. Loretta or George, either one of you can address this. Maybe I'll jump in right now and uh, let uh, George's avatar take a little bit of break. <laughs> <laughs> I know one of the things about being in the sandbox is that I feel like I'm so tired all the time because I'm always jumping around and running around,、um, which I already do in real life. But to your point, I think the what it really allows is an extension of our fantasies, right? I think in the real life,、uh, we are often sort of 
governed by maybe social norms and things that we can do and can't do are often sort of sanctioned by either geographical boundaries or budget or uh, codes of conduct in various societies. But I think the fun thing in a gamified experience like the Sandbox is that you just let your imagination go wild. So in the case of Clarence's and Joanne's wedding, for example, when you first talked about it, they really wanted something traditional, something borrowed, something blue. And so they decided to stage their wedding, taking photos in colonial buildings in Singapore. But they also have this fantasy of merging it with disco dancing because of Clarence's background and he's a singer and a musician and he loves music. And they also wanted this other thing, which is they wanted their dog in the wedding. But many places in Singapore will not allow a dog. Mm. And so we said, like how how can we transcend all these little boundaries and allow a couple to celebrate their love in the most imaginative way possible? And so we decided upon this idea of having a fidgetal wedding where you have a physical wedding to appease uncle, aunties, grandpa, grandma, get all your unpaws in fiat currency and, and make your real babies in real time. <laughs> but, but you have a, a metaverse wedding where we had a horse-drawn carriage because that mm. was Joanne's fantasy. She's always wanted to be in a horse-drawn carriage. She wanted Bella, her dog with her arms, and they wanted a disco dancing space, like a Michael Jackson beat it, where, you know, it's like the tiles light up as you're dancing. Like, it's cost prohibitive, and most places won't allow you to build that sort of a setup. But we could do all of that. And we could even have Sebastian Bourget, who's there dancing Gangnam style just now, to officiate the wedding in a metaverse, right? Again, all of these things would not be possible in the real world. So I think it's the ability for us to bring all our dreams together, our fantasies together, and make it a reality. What is the cost like? I don't want to announce it on air right now. No, okay. But would it be cheaper than, you know, an event? I'm sure it would be cheaper than if you had an uh, uh, event uh, that was exactly like what it was in the metaverse. Yes and no. I'm not trying to be cagey, folks, but I say yes and no because we're in such early stages of the metaverse. And so uh, in this particular wedding, it just costs a little bit more only because we had to build it from scratch, right? So to build all of Alcaf Mansion uh, and work together with the one group folks like Joseph Ong and his team and we you know, went and took photos of Alcove Mansion and we had recreate from scratch. But the whole point is that after we have actually done up the entire experience, then yes, subsequently, it will be cheaper, right? Because the experience has already been done up and we have the asset. And so that's why we welcome more of you to jump in, join in, have us create a metaverse wedding. So we'll have more assets and that's how we democratize the space and make it more viable and potentially uh, more budget-friendly uh, for, for other weddings that come along. Here's the thing though, I want some things to be real. For example, the booze and the food. So <laughs> how does all of that factor in? So definitely have that real. So that is exactly why Clarence and Joanne had a real wedding. You know, mm. I was there. The person that you see, like, taking all the photographs when they're saying, that was me. I still had my champagne flute in my hand and I was, like, directing the wedding from there. Right. And so all of the experiences, the Michelin star dinner, all that was real. I still had a full meal and I still had my yum sing. But I also had an experience of living and forever creating this wedding that will live forever in the blockchain. And so this is something that is going to be immutable and it's really for this Couple. And so what the couple also did was that they also minted their NFTs, 200 NFTs or a proof of attendance protocol. And so what the couple intends to do is that with, with folks who actually minted their NFTs, these 200 NFTs, they get to come back for another experience later on uh, because the, the couple intends to work with us to create another sort of a vow uh, ceremony, you know, when they want to do another ceremony mm. uh, to remake their vows and also a baby shower. So these are things that we could like create. 
for them as well. This is clearly not the final iteration of a full-blown metaverse. This is all still being worked on. It's a work in progress. So let's talk about some of your future plans. George, for Sandbox, a subsidiary of Anamoka Brands, one of the decentralized virtual worlds that has actually been fueling the recent growth of virtual real estate demand as well. You've partnered with major IPs and brands, including Adidas, Snoop Dogg, the Smurfs as well. You've also received $100 million from Tomasek to further solidify the firm as a metaverse mainstay. Yet, there is no clear consensus over what exactly the full-blown metaverse should be or will be. So what sorts of challenges do you foresee? What sorts of opportunities do you foresee in the years ahead? Well, I think firstly to address that, it's, uh, we do have a clear vision of how our metaverse will be like. There will be many interpretations of metaverses in the market, mm. and we are looking to have the most inclusive kind of metaverse that is easy for creators and builders to create an experience, a complementary experience like the wedding, right? Not replace the wedding, but to complement the wedding in the metaverse. So that's the, the basis behind using voxels. We are very committed to that because we want it to be as easy as possible to create. And I think moving forward, we do focus on the launch of the full experience because you, you're getting the experience, but just that the full map is not revealed yet and launched to the public. But that should happen sometime next year. And that's our most immediate uh, kind of goal. But more importantly, I think it's about educating people on the new types of jobs that will be created and the opportunities that the metaverse presents and to understand how to build in it and to create your own experiences. I think that's pretty vital because ultimately we are big believers in user-generated content, which is what would make this uh, the sandbox really stand out from the rest, where you can go in and experience culture from various brands and also appreciate creations from the creative community and game community as well. But there has been a lot of talk about abuse or violence in the metaverse as well. How can such problems be prevented? Let's not forget, there are also questions about a person's rights in the metaverse. How do you enforce them? Consumer rights, ownership rights, privacy. The downsides are very real, aren't they? Loretta, could you step in here? Yeah, I can jump in here. And in fact, uh, interestingly enough, I just gave a keynote today on the jobs that would be created in the metaverse and education and metaverse industry. I think a couple of things, right? I think, uh, you know, this is an evolution and this is going to be an ongoing discussion. I think with every development, you know, that happens, there's always going to be events that happen that capture our attention. Most of the times it is the negative uh, events that happen, right? An abuse, uh, a sexual harassment, all that grabs the attention, it grabs the headlines. It is very important to recognize that those are uh, right now to a minimal. However, that's it. We're not saying that it's not important. I think Meta has already stepped up on looking into privacy and data privacy protections. Uh, we also have a lot of apps that are coming in. I think Super Awesome is one of those. Like, There's some apps coming into play to say, how can we protect our data privacy? But I think most importantly, given that this is such a nascent industry, we need more diverse voices to come in. We need more diverse players because I really think that there's security in numbers. One of the things that we don't want is to repeat the ills of what we created before in web to where you have big tech controlling all the data and they can then abuse something like an, an event like Cambridge Analytica, right, which can totally change election results. I think these are things that are even far more threatening than, you know, the, the, the small cases we've seen. I'm not saying those are not important, but what but what this signals is that industry must come together and that we need more players in the space to hold on to each other to create more safety protocols and precautions. Mm. So for example, 
small bus studios, we're a small player, but we've categorically come out to say we're not going to do vi- very violent games. We're not going to do anything that causes what we think will be harm to children or society. We even have an initiative called Metaverse for Good. My point is we are small players, but we can play a part because we're no longer saying we are just little players and we leave meta and we leave all the fangs to to do the planning right we we just see all our our rights to them because they're so powerful i think the key is that today in web3 is decentralized and we have the power it's almost like thinking about it like democracy right is democracy an ideal it absolutely is is it messy it absolutely is but is it something that we strive towards absolutely and i think that is how we should see the movement in the metaverse and web3 decentralization Okay, so you've got to come up with your own protocol for abuse and harassment as well, yeah? I'm yes. counting on you yes. to do that. Yes, okay. yes. And as, a, as a female, you can you can count on me. It'd be one of those things that it's top of mind and top of priority. And it even comes down right from even hiring, like hiring and putting more diversity and putting more leaders in place because we're diverse and diverse voices really count. Okay, let's talk about that now. You've got an academy that will be training new talent for this industry. So tell us about that very quickly because we are running out of time. Okay, so we have two. So we did a partnership with Adventist Graduate School where we launched a $1 million, USD $1 million scholarship fund, a Metaverse for Good scholarship fund, because we really wanted to support students who are typically not able to afford uh, an executive education. And we also want to infuse Metaverse courses in there to train them for the jobs of the future. And we've also gone to a partnership with The Sandbox to create an academy so that anyone who wants to learn how to build Voxel can learn. And then by extension, we're also going to eventually uh, launch Enterprise classes so that, for example, 89.3 can say, hey, we want to create our own avatar, we want to create our own world, and you'll be able to be empowered to do that because this is exactly what Sandbox wants. It wants user-generated content, it wants more people to come on board, and we co-create together. Mm, If I had my own avatar, I might make more TikTok videos, actually. I can't do those fancy dance moves, you know. One last thing, guys. Recently, we saw a very expensive $1,500 MetaQuest Pro VR headset for working in the metaverse be unveiled. The question is, everything seems so expensive. What about digital inclusion? Well, I think that uh, that only depends if the metaverse itself is VR-centric, right? In our case, uh, the reason why we haven't pushed for like full VR is because the headsets and the hardware may be exclusive and and you kind of like alienate people who can't afford that. Naturally, the prices of such devices have come down and the technology is all there for our metaverse to be VR friendly. But I think at this juncture and with the market and it's not like a full on adoption of VR headsets yet. So it doesn't make sense for us to like push the VR agenda. Not that it's not a good technology. I think that metaverses who are doing it are also pushing their boundaries. It's just that it's not something that we are looking looking at right now. So that allows it to be a bit more inclusive in that sense. Uh, And I I always think that for VR-based metaverses, they should allow a non-VR access as well, which is possible if they made it possible. If they made it VR-specific, then they are definitely excluding. So I can't answer for those who Mm. are using VR headsets. We don't use VR headsets. All right. If I could just jump in, I know you're running out of time. I want to make a real point is that one of the reasons why we are working the sandbox is because it really wants to have mass adoption. It has a very clear model mobile penetration and mobile uh, 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 mobile gameplay because I think one of the reasons why you know companies like Meta want to sell the Oculus is because they, they really rely on devices in order to have their apps on them. So this is one way for them to create a, a new market for them, right? It's like Meta really is an app, really is dependent on Apple, right? So for now, they're really trying to create their own uh, railway tracks because they're trained with a billion uh, passengers, but they 
unable to, they don't own the railway tracks. And this is their play to own railway tracks, right? So it's not uh, right or wrong, but I'm just saying that that's not the only way to enter the metaverse. And I think the metaverse should be inclusionary, as you said. All right. Thank you very much for that, guys. Really appreciate it. Many thanks for taking us through your metaverse. And here's to a much more inclusive and affordable one as well. Of course, excitement, I think, is a given. Many thanks to George Wong, Head of Growth at Sandbox Singapore, and Loretta Chen, co-founder of Smobler Studios. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.